Some years ago, it was Mother's Day, it was a Sunday, and we were at church like we normally are on Mother's Day, and the kiddos were really little, and one of our kids was in the nursery. And one of our kids, probably in the two-year-old range, and Lindley goes to pick up that particular child in the nursery, and the workers in the nursery that day had created a little card for moms on Mother's Day. And the little card was just simply a piece of paper the kids could color on, And there are words written on that piece of paper where the kids were allowed to color and create this gift to their mama on Mother's Day. And the words were something along the lines of, Happy Mother's Day, I love you and I know you love me because. And there was a blank there that the teacher would fill in on behalf of the child. And so the teacher would ask the kids, How do you know your mom loves you? What do you want to say to your mom? And the kids would fill out that blank and write a host of things. Things like, I know you love me because you spend time with me. I know you love love me because you, you, you provide food for me. You buy toys for me. You play with me. You spend time with me. You hang out with me. All of these wonderful ways that parents show kids their love. Lindley goes to pick up our child that day and gets her card and sees that it says, Happy Mother's Day. I love you. I know you love me because you spank me. (laughs) The teacher told Lindley she was the only mom that got such a card on that day. Lindley immediately came to tell me about the special card that our child made for her, and we shared responsibility for that card. And I can tell you right now, it's a little embarrassing to get that kind of card on that day. And uh, it was like we wanted to defend ourselves in front of everybody, making sure that nobody thought. We gathered the kids around in the evening and said, it's time to show you how much we love you. Spankings all around. Uh, You want to kind of explain yourself, you know, because as a parent, what we really want, what we really long for is for our kids to experience our love in the best possible ways. Like we don't wake up in parents, as parents and think to ourselves, I cannot wait for my kid to experience my love through a good spanking. We don't wake up like that. We do really feel that this hurts me more than it hurts you, even though when we were kids we didn't believe it. When you become a parent, it's like, boy, we really want our kids to experience our love through the best possible ways. And yet God's Word says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12, that the Lord disciplines those He loves. Just like a parent disciplines a child. I tell you that story because I am hopeful and expectant that in today's story in Joshua chapter 23, we might all see a full picture of the love of God. Ultimately, what I want for each person in this room is to leave today having a clear understanding of God's love for you in Jesus Christ. So let's look together. Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. And I'd love you to read along with me in whatever version of the Scripture you've brought today. So look at your 
Bible, Joshua chapter 23. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. A long time after the Lord had given Israel rest from all the enemies around them, Joshua was old, advanced in age. So Joshua summoned all Israel, including its elders, leaders, judges, and officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age, and you have seen for yourselves everything the Lord your God did to all these nations on your account. Because it was the Lord your God who was fighting for you. See, I have allotted these remaining nations to you as an inheritance for your tribes, including all the nations I have destroyed from the Jordan westward to the Mediterranean Sea. The Lord your God will force them back on your account and drive them out before you so that you can take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong and continue obeying all that is written in the book of the law of Moses so that you do not turn from it to the right or left and so that you do not associate with these nations remaining among you. Do not call on the names of their gods or make an oath to them. Do not serve them or bow in worship to them. Instead, be loyal to the Lord your God as you have been to this day. The Lord has driven out great and powerful nations before you. And no one is able to stand against you to this day. One of you routed a thousand because the Lord your God was fighting for you as he promised. So diligently watch yourselves. Love the Lord your God. Joshua encourages the people, specifically speaking to the leaders of the people. And he says, you know exactly what God has done for you. And he says, you remember it. You know it. You experienced it. God has done all of this for you, and you personally experienced it. Now, I want to remind you on the basis of what God has done for you that He's going to continue to do even more. What Joshua wants the people to recognize is that everything that God has done for them is but a taste of what God intends to do for them even more. And He's encouraging them to see that what they've experienced is not yet all that what God wants to do. God wants to do even more. And so he tells them, in order for you to experience even more of the blessings of what God has already done and intends to do in multiplication for you, in order to experience that, you've got to keep trusting the Lord. The way that you got to where you are and experiencing all that God has done for you came because you took that step across the Jordan River. You trusted the Lord, and in your trust of Him, He has done all of this, and He is not done blessing you. So keep on trusting Him. Be, be strong in the Lord. Not because you're strong, but be strong in the Lord because He's strong for you. 
Keep on following Him. Do not turn to the right or to the left. No, keep obeying every command because that obedience is the pathway for experiencing more of what God wants you to experience. He is encouraging the Israelites to watch themselves carefully so that they don't drift into idolatry. You see, they live around all these nations that are allowed to be there for a time for their benefit, but yet those people living there can be an enticement, a temptation to drift into worshiping other gods. And Joshua says, look, you didn't get to where you are today by worshiping other gods. You got to where you are with all these blessings by worshiping the one true God don't drift watch yourselves make sure that you are loving the Lord your God with everything you are he has done so much and he is not done blessing you don't for one second believe God's not ready to bless you more he just wants you to follow him so you can stay right in the middle of those blessings Have you ever been in a situation as a parent, or maybe you remember something similar to this as a child? Maybe you were out in the front yard as a family playing and hanging out. And all of a sudden, when you're out there just hanging out, playing as a family, you notice your four-year-old get this wild look in his or her eye. And that little boy, that little girl just looks up and starts running right for the street. You ever been in that scenario? And all of a sudden as a parent, you see that little one running right for the street. And what you do is you jump up and you drop whatever you're doing. And you scream at the top of your lungs, stop! And you're running with everything you are. And you grab that child right before they get into the street. And you whip them up to yourself. And you think to yourself or say to them, what were you thinking? Inevitably, that little four-year-old does not turn and cling to you and say thank you so much for saving me (laughs) no the normal experience is that little three or four year old immediately starts crying because all of a sudden in that moment the emotions of that moment change and they hear you yell and they feel you grab them and you whip them up and you cling them close and your emotions are at a heightened sense and you're expressing that fear and that concern in a way that changes the way that child experiences you and the child often will feel in that moment they've done something wrong and start to cry but what you want them to feel is that the shift of emotion in that moment was for their rescue If your child has run out towards the street before that day, that's likely a moment that they also receive discipline. Again, a shift in the emotions, but not a shift in your love. What we're going to read in verse 12 is a shift in emotion. I don't want you to miss God's love. Let's read verse 12. If you ever turn away and become loyal to the rest of these nations remaining among you, if you intermarry or associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out before you. They will become a snare and a trap for you. 
a sharp stick for your sides, and thorns in your eyes until you disappear from this good land the Lord your God has given you. I am now going the way of the whole earth, and you know with all your heart and all your soul that none of the good promises the Lord your God made to you has failed. Everything was fulfilled for you. Not one promise has failed. Since every good thing the Lord your God promised you has come about, so He will bring on you every bad thing until He has annihilated you from this good land the Lord your God has given you. If you break the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow in worship to them, the Lord's anger will burn against you and you will quickly disappear from this good land He has given you. You feel that emotional shift? He says, I've blessed you. You've experienced the blessings of being my people because you've trusted me. Keep trusting me because I have not even yet begun to bless you like I want to bless you as my people. But if you drift from following me into idolatry, I will come against you. Do you hear that? You hear the Lord says, listen, I am doing all this on your account. I'm doing it for you. And then he says, I'm going to do something against you if you don't follow me. You know, I suspect if you ask your children or your grandchildren in a moment where you are disciplining your children or grandchildren, if they feel like that moment is for them, I suspect that they'll be more apt to say, no, this is actually against me, not for me. And what I want you to see is that the emotional shift in verse 12 is no less a display God, of God being for His people than verses 1 through 11. Verses 1 through 11 is God being for His people, and verses 12 through 16 is God also being for His people. See, God is faithful. He has made it very clear in this passage through what Joshua is saying is that He has been and will forever be faithful. God's faithfulness is on display and He's giving His people a choice. You can experience my faithfulness in blessing by continuing to follow me or you will experience my faithfulness in discipline if you drift away from me. But you will most assuredly experience my faithfulness. He wants his people to see he will not stop being faithful. That he will take care of his people. That his heart for them is to experience his love and faithfulness in the best possible way. But if they drift from the Lord, they will experience His faithfulness in discipline. I don't want you to miss that verse 12 through 16 is as much for 
his people, as verses 1 through 11. So I'm going to give you a couple of references that you can look at in the Scripture that can help you with this. Obviously, Proverbs 3.12 that I mentioned at the first of the sermon, the Lord disciplines those He loves. That's a great verse, foundational for this. Another passage is Psalm 106. You can just write down Psalm 106. It's also in your worship guide in the Go Deeper section. Psalm 106 is a psalm that praises God for His enduring love. You know how God's enduring love is displayed in Psalm 106? When the people of God turn away from God and they don't follow Him anymore, He does not give up on them. He continues to pursue them. It's just a pursuit through discipline so that they might turn back to the Lord. In Leviticus chapter 26, you see a lengthy discussion of how God's going to treat His people if His people drift into idolatry and turn away from the Lord. And we're going to see in Leviticus chapter 26 is that God's going to say, if you don't follow me, if you drift into idolatry, if you turn to other gods of the people around you, if you don't want me to keep blessing you in the best possible way and you drift into some other path than my blessings, I am going to bring discipline on you. I'm going to bring hardship and difficulty. I'm going to bring my discipline on you so that you might turn back. And he says, if you turn at that moment, I bring hardship on you back to me. I'm going to turn back to you. But if you will not obey me after I bring this hardship on you, I'm going to bring more hardship. Four different times he says, I'm going to bring more hardship if you don't turn back. I'm going to bring more hardship if you don't turn back. Because it's the heart of God that his people experience his blessings in the pathway of faithfulness. He wants us to experience his goodness through trusting fully in him. And so he tells his people, if you don't trust me, I'm going to bring things into your life to move you back to trusting me. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 1 through 10 is another passage you can make note of to look at. It's where God says, I placed before the people in Deuteronomy chapter 27 through 30, the blessings of following him and the curses if you don't follow him. And he says to his people, I've set before you today life and death. Choose what you're going to experience. You're going to choose life as my people or you're going to experience discipline as my people. God wants us to experience His blessings. He is more in store than we can imagine. But the pathway for experiencing those blessings, the lane, you don't move from the left to the right, is trusting Him. It's it's that description of loving God with everything you are. It's that that idea of I'm not drifting into idolatry. I'm going to be loyal to the Lord. I'm not going to let my loyalties that belong to the Lord alone drift into loyalty to anything or anyone else that I should be giving to the Lord. I am going to watch myself and make sure that I continue to obey the Lord, trusting in His strength because He is sufficient for me. God wants His people to stay in the pathway of blessing. And he's faithful to his desire for us. You ever been to a bowling alley with some little kids? They came up with this ingenious reason to help little kids enjoy bowling. I mean, nobody likes bowling and throwing that bowling ball down the lane and having it go in the gutter and getting no pins. That's not fun. And they knew somewhere along the way that kids would never enjoy bowling because they would inevitably throw every bowling ball into the gutter. And so they created bumpers. 
Now, some of you may use bumpers because you know it's more fun to hit pins, but it's designed for kids. And uh, they have those bumpers there because they know if a kid rolls the bowling ball down the lane, that that ball is going to bounce off those bumpers and hit pins, and that kid's going to have a great time and experience the joy of bowling. You know what God has done? For you and for me, He's created bumpers. Because there's only one lane you can go down to experience the joy of following Him. And that lane is described in this passage. Cling to the Lord. Be loyal to Him. Love Him with all your heart. Make sure to obey Him. And do not drift into any other loyalties than a total loyalty to God. And what God does, he says, I've got a bumper on one side of your life, and that bumper are my blessings. I have done some amazing things for you in Christ. When you decided to trust me and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I establish a bumper of my blessings. And what you've experienced so far in Christ is but an encouragement for you to keep trusting me because there's more to come. And he sets this bumper in our life of experiencing his blessings through our faith in Christ. And he promises to keep giving us more and more of those blessings in Christ. And then he puts another bumper on the other side of our life. And the other bumper is, if you ever start to drift away from loving me with everything you are, I'm going to bring discipline in your life. And the reason I'm going to bring discipline in your life is to move you away from drifting off the one lane where you will experience the joy of knowing me. He establishes those bumpers in our life because he wants to bless us. And his faithfulness creates a path both in our faithfulness and our unfaithfulness. He loves us. and He cares about us. It's like God says to us, I I want you to trust in me. And when we decide to trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He puts in front of us this display of His faithfulness. And the display of His faithfulness is, is, is found behind door A and door B. Both doors are opportunities to experience the faithfulness of God, but door A is the door you walk into by clinging to the Lord, loving the Lord, obeying the Lord, trusting in the strength of God found in Jesus Christ. When you walk through door A, you experience God's blessings in the form of God's provision. When you trust in God, He's providing for you in the same way that the people that walked into the land in Joshua did nothing to gain the land of milk and honey except trust the Lord. We experience God's provision. In Christ, that God has secured through the work of Christ, so that everything we need, we have to have no concern about. That's why the scripture says, Don't worry about tomorrow, because God's taking care of tomorrow. Just worry about seeking Him, and He'll take care of everything you need. See, God wants you to experience His provision through trusting in Him as one blessing after another he wants you to experience his protection you trust in jesus christ as your lord and savior and you strive to cling to him and to love him with all that you are you experience his protection in fact jesus says you don't need to be afraid of anybody 
Because nobody can touch your soul when I have you. And you are safe forever. He wants to protect you in door A in a way that you see his blessings poured out on your life. He also wants to show you through door A his presence. He sends his Holy Spirit to be with you so that you might rest assured that you belong to him, that you are his. You have no reason to fear. He gives you his protection, his provision, and his presence so that you know you are no longer a slave to sin. You are set free from that slavery. You don't have to worry about fear of death because you have a promise that death is not going to to be the final word over your life he has promised you his protection his provision and his presence he's done it in the context of a family he's put you in his body of believers so that you might experience the flourishing of his protection provision and presence in a community of people in which you are gifted by the lord to give your life away to other people in the family so that they might share the joy of living in the lane of finding God and following Him. That's door A. Who cares about door B? I want door A. Proverbs chapter 19, chapter 12, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1 says, the person who's really wise sees discipline and really wants the knowledge of responding to the Lord. The person who's not very smart, the person who's ignorant, the person who just doesn't get it, they see the Lord's discipline and they don't care at all. We see door A and we're like, yes, we want door A, but here's God's goodness. He provides an experience of His faithfulness through door B. Not just for when we deliberately walk away from the Lord, but there are times when we drift away from the Lord and maybe we don't even realize it. God has a door B so that when we don't cling to Him, when we don't pursue Him with love, when we don't seek to make sure we're not drifting away from Him into anything else but loyalty to Him, He provides door B. And in door B, He says, I'm still going to give you an experience of my faithfulness, but this experience of my faithfulness is to move you back to door A. Because what I want for you more than anything else is a door A experience. So God disciplines us as His children. We walk through door B because we're not wanting to follow the Lord like He wants us to follow Him. Because we're not obeying Him like Christ has enabled us to obey Him. We're not living under the power of God's Spirit like He has designed for us to live, then the door B experiences God's discipline. And so He comes and it's a very different experience than door A. He's, He's still our provider. We still have everything that God has given us in Christ, but the experience of His provision changes. God told His people, I've given you the land, but if you don't follow me, the experience of my provision is going to radically change. I'm going to take you out of that land I gave you. I'm going to put you in a foreign land so you trust me again. And if you come back to me, I'm going to give you back your land. It's not that God wasn't providing. It's just that his provision changed so that they'd move back to following him. 
God's discipline is provision. It just may be that he pulls back the provisions so that you turn back to him. He's still protecting you. It's not that he does not have you in his hand. It's just that his protection of you might be a pulling back of protection that you would experience when you're following him so that whatever comes into your life under this new experience of protection actually moves you back to door A. Because what God wants for his people is to experience his faithfulness and blessing, not his faithfulness and discipline. But he loves us, and so he's going to bring discipline in his life. And it's not that we don't experience his presence. He's just as much with us in the moment we're following him with all of our heart as the moment we're drifting away from him. It's just that when we're drifting away from him, his presence feels a lot more like conviction. It may feel like that emotional shift of, of grabbing up your kid before they run out on the road and saying, what were you thinking? Not because you're going to be angry, but because your emotions are moved to rescue and save. And God in His perfect love snatches us up in the emotions of our drifting so that we might experience His presence in a rattling, shaking kind of way. Come back to door A. It's not that you're any less a part of His family. You're still a part of the family when you've been rescued by Jesus Christ. But God has made provision in the family of God to come alongside one another. When we see someone in the family drifting and say to that person, you're drifting and you need to come back to Christ. If you're not willing to come back, the rest of the family is going to come to you and say, you are not going to have the privileges of being in this family until you come back to the door A of walking with Christ. Matthew chapter 18. See, God is, is, is wanting us to experience His faithfulness. He'd much prefer a door A experience. But He's made provision of door B so we don't miss Him as His people. Along the years as I've enjoyed fly fishing, one of the things that I've experienced is a drift boat. And a drift boat is like a glorified rowboat that's designed to go down a river. And so in a drift boat, you have the opportunity to oar, use some oars to kind of maneuver in different places of the river in order to get places to fish. Now, when you get in a particular place in the river and you want to kind of hang out in that place, it's easiest if you will in that moment drop an anchor. The drift boat has an anchor so that it can be stationary in a particular place and keep from drifting with the currents of the river. Something that's not uncommon when I'm on a drift boat is the guys that I'm fishing with, if they're newbies, if they're just learning how to fish, they can get some knots in their lines. And occasionally I want to pull over into a shallower, slower moving area of the river in order to work on undoing those knots. Here's what I discovered early on being in the rowing seat of a drift boat. You can't always feel the drift. I found myself over in a calmer area of the river, didn't put down the anchor, didn't feel like I needed to. I just sat there and started working on a knot. And as I worked on the knot, I just sat there and got focused on that knot. Next thing you know, I hit a boulder. I'm like, what just happened? Or I hit another boat. What did we just do? I run into a tree on the bank. I'm like, what happened? How did we move? I never felt the drift. There's a lot of good things in life to get our attention as God's people. It's not always the worst of things that pull us away from the Lord. 
you, you can be working on a knot in somebody else's life and be so intent on that good thing that that good thing then becomes more important than dropping your anchor. And before you know it, you've drifted away from loyalty to the Lord because you've been about a lot of good stuff. But you've stopped clinging to Jesus. There's a whole lot of bad things in our culture, in the currents of our culture that are pulling us away. Make no mistake about it. We live in a river with cultural pulls away from loyalty to Jesus Christ. But even the good things can cause us to drift if we're not daily dropping an anchor and rooting our hearts in loving God with all that we are. You know, one of the things we've done as a church family is we've decided to take next steps. Obeying the Lord in areas of our time, our talent, and our treasure. You know what those next step moments are? They're moments of recognizing God has blessed me. I know with my heart and soul he has kept all the good promises in Christ for me. And I want to take another step of trusting him because I know he is prepared to do more than I have experienced to this point. And I'm going to take a next step. And here's how good God is. If you've determined to take a next step and you drift because of life's challenges and distractions and activities and you don't take those next steps here's God's goodness he is going to discipline you because he wants you to experience the blessing of his protection his provision his presence in the best possible way he's faithful and he loves us in the perfect way we need it. Wherever we are on the river of life's journey, wherever we are on that lane of experiencing God's goodness, He loves us. Most of you have probably heard of George Mueller. He started an orphanage in 1834. He had that orphanage for somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 years and served and blessed somewhere around 10,000 orphans over those years. He is most well known by the fact that he never asked anyone outside the orphanage to help support the needs of the children. He just called on those within the orphanage to cry out to God and they trusted God to make provision for those kiddos. His biography is a great read. If you've never read George Mueller's biography, I would encourage you to pick up a copy of it by A.T. Pearson or any of the biographies of Mueller. You will be blown away at one story after another of God's good work through clinging to Him. There's stories about they wake up in the morning, they have no food for the kids, they don't know what they're going to do, people are freaking out, they're going to go hungry, and, and George just says, we're just going to pray. He just gets on his knees, says, God, you know what we need. In the next five minutes, someone knocks on the door and says, I felt compelled to bring all this bread and food here today. I'm not sure why, but here it is. 
There's one story after another like that in George Mueller's life because here's the thing. God wants us to trust him with everything, to cling to him so that we might experience the blessing of his promises in the best possible way. What you might not know about George Mueller is that when he was a young man doing some of his biblical training, he was in Germany for a few days and he took boarding residence in an orphanage in Germany that was established by a man named August Frank in the late 1600s. It was nearly a hundred years later, over a hundred years later, when George Mueller boarded in that orphanage. And he saw something in that orphanage, how it ran and what was happening there that kind of stuck with him. And then later in 1833, just one year before he established his orphanage, he was handed the biography of August Franck. And he read in that biography a story of over a hundred years of trusting the Lord for every provision. You know why George Mueller did what he did? Because somebody else before him took a step and trusted the Lord more fully in their own life. You know why God wants you to experience the joy of his promises fulfilled through your faithfulness? Because there's likely somebody else in your life, somebody else in the next 20 years, somebody else in the next 50 years that will not experience God's blessed provision, protection, and presence unless you take your next step. Trust the Lord and help others do the same.